Hello and welcome back to Analytics at ServiceNow with your host Alex Sanginov. This is Season 2 and we are excited to cover the ins and outs of a day in the life of analytics roles and their contribution in creating value to fuel the company's growth. In this episode, we're joined by two distinguished analytics leaders, Marina Shubo, head of marketing analytics, and Brian Hoffman, head of data science team at ServiceNow. Both guests have very different 10-year history with the company. So let's find out what's their secret sauce in leading. Hello, Marina and Brian. Welcome to the show. How are you guys doing? Hi, Alex. Great to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to, to do this podcast. Hi, Alex. Doing great. Thanks. Welcome back, Brian. I'm personally humbled to have the opportunity to work with both of your teams and have report to both of you. So super exciting. And to get started, Marina, I've been, it's been a couple months since you joined ServiceNow. And how's it going? <laughs> well, it's, it's, uh, it feels more than three months, but it's been uh, it's been a great journey so far. Um, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting time to join the company during uh, during a pandemic, and um, but I will say, just you know, my experience has been one is um, it's a it's a really large team and a really large company, but at the same time, I feel that everyone is very approachable, uh, very very easygoing, um, eager to, to get stuff done. And I, I think it's a, a very strong culture, not only within the analytics and IT organization, but um, I've really enjoyed even just the, the company culture with the, the bill-led meetings and just the passion that the leadership team has as they facilitate meetings with the entire organization. I feel like there's this just this, this corporate culture that's um, that's unique to any company that I've been at so far, um, which is pretty remarkable. Um, and um, so it, it's been a great journey so far. Definitely great to hear. And that is definitely one of the uh, memories that I cherish as well. You know, what drew me, what drew me to a service now, essentially uh, the hungry and humble culture that we have here. So great to hear those are resonating with new uh, team members as well. And how was your virtual onboarding experience was like? And given that you, you joined in this towards the end of 2020. Uh, the experience was good, right? I mean, uh, from simple things like getting my equipment, right? The um, was relatively easily facilitated. Um, the HR onboarding was really good. You know, I, I think maybe what's different being uh, more of a senior leader than a than a practitioner, right? Um, I you know I felt like a lot of my learning was just meeting with people and getting to know their job functions wow. and understanding you know what they've delivered for the organization, their objectives. So, you know, I would say, you know, even if I'm not in the office and sitting face to face from somebody and learning about them, I feel like just the the video and the enablement through video and just having conversations has been very effective. Now, I think there's some areas, maybe maybe it's just me because, you know, there's just an overwhelming amount of content to read. Right. Um, I, I think it's a balance between, I found that just having, you know, face to face, right, virtual conversations was much more effective for me than that yep. sitting and combing through a lot of training and, and reading reading through a lot of content. It's helpful to have as a reference, but um, there, there's nothing that really displaces that face-to-face -face contact. 
And, um, you know, I, I, as I mentioned earlier, it's a really large organization for, um, for how long it's been around. And so for me, the, the, the hardest thing is just keeping, keeping names and roles straight. Um, but I think the company does a, a really good job of just uh, trying to facilitate and, and, and include people in meetings and, and making sure content is available, whether it's knowledge articles or through portals. I think it's just a matter is you have to kind of uh, balance your time of, you know, how much self-study and, and self-learning you do versus um, building out those personal relationships. So that, that's that been kind of the, the balance for me, if you will, is I'm trying to focus more on the personal relationships and I've maybe set aside less time than I should for reading some of the content and there's a wealth of it out there. So I, I have some catching up to do. Awesome. Well, great to hear and welcome again to the team. So we're so lucky to have you. Uh, in, the co- in contrast, Brian, we will be celebrating your ninth work anniversary here. How has the ride been for you? <laughs> it's been fabulous. And uh, I hope there's a nice cake as we celebrate uh, when that day comes around. But um, it really has been remarkable. Um, when I first started, the company was really focused on IT service management and IT operations management and serving those customers. And it's the company's really transitioned a couple of times to capitalize on opportunities in the market. Um, we've certainly moved beyond just IT. Now we have customer service management, HR, and a variety of other uh, products um, that customers use on a regular basis. Um, the company's also built AI and ML directly within the product. So that was very exciting. It was very gratifying to see um, uh, that happen and have colleagues in the development team that are actively working on that. And uh, it's very exciting technology. And then most recently, an emphasis on workflow. And that may be one, you may be surprised to hear that may be one that I'm the most excited about because I see such a big demand and a big opportunity in the market to, to serve workflow and make sure that everybody in work organizations are poised to succeed by taking advantage of these automated processes that can be kicked off. And uh, what's even more exciting is to see the the role for AI and ML in those workflow processes. So um, I'm very excited to have been here for almost nine years and can't wait to see what the next nine look like. Um, You may think there'd be a lot of change over those eight and a half, nine years, and you're right, but what was the constant? Data. Um, Data is the reason I joined the company. Um, The company even then had a great, beautifully curated data warehouse. Um, And for anybody in machine learning or AI, having access to lots of historic data is really tantalizing. And uh, so I I was really excited when I learned that the company had made that commitment upfront to curating and maintaining a data warehouse. And we take advantage of on a, on a, on a daily basis. Um, what else has been constant? Well, data sources. Um, there's more data sources. The, the rate of growth, um, we're constantly um, obtaining new data that we'll use in our AI ML models. And uh, the need for AI to make sense of all that data has been a, a constant. So um, it's been truly exciting to, to be a part of ServiceNow. Definitely, the more data we have, the, you know, it's a louder music to data science or you know any data professionals here. Uh, I can attest to that myself. And uh, can you touch on what was your onboarding experience was like? I remember having trouble getting a trash can, so I don't know if uh, if that was part of the employee onboarding uh, that we have as part of HR. But um, but I I do remember um, that that we did have a process, and that was exciting as well. Um, 
Uh, and that obviously, as you may have experienced, as you might expect, has grown over time. Right. Um, now there are lots and lots of processes that when we go into our internal ServiceNow portal, um, right. everything from HR to legal, uh, lots and lots of different processes have been incorporated um, yeah. beyond onboarding. So um, yeah. that's part of what gets me so excited is I see how we use our own tool to meet our own needs. And that serves as the basis for helping to make sure that we have uh, considered the perfect end user experience because we're going through it ourselves. Right. Definitely. And yeah, we do see a lot of those, you know, being customers you ourselves, right. Uh, testing that and drinking our own champagne, as we call it internally to make sure, you know, the product and the, it's ready for our customers when it hits, you know, at the market. Uh, going one level deeper, I'm more curious to understand what does a typical day look like? Marina, if we can start with you, uh, being focused on, you know, verticals, being new to the company and, you know, starting with a ton of, you know, content to go through and also, you know, building a relationship, managing the team, leading the team. Uh, what does that day, a typical day look like for you? Well, first and foremost, having a globally distributed team, the day starts pretty early and, and ends, um, you know, ends ends late just because of the, the different time zones. Um, right. So I, I think, uh, you know, that that's not unique to ServiceNow. I think that in any organization facing a, a globally distributed team has that. Um, but as you mentioned, right, I mean, to me, the, you know, the, my day is, is kind of balanced with working with some of the individual product managers um, and understanding what's going on with their products. Um, as a new leader of the team, I've been participating in some of the daily scrums, just trying to get an understanding of how the process works and where are their areas for optimization, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to do as I'm looking at the team is ensure that we have consistency, thoughtfulness, um, you know, better project management and planning. So part of my, you know, I, I, I tend to kind of uh, ebb and flow into some of the details a bit more early on in the tenure as a leader to really understand how the process works today and are there areas for improvement. So, so one part of my day is really uh, going deep with the team and understanding the analytical products in which we're putting to market. This, the second part of my day, um, and not necessarily in chronological order, but just um, a focus is, is building out those relationships. Um, what, I, what I find that ServiceNow does well is there's a lot of these stakeholder connect meetings, right? There's, for any of the strategic transformative type of initiatives, like um, SDRs moving to a new CRM or Right. Any of the marketing transformational projects that we're working on, there's these cross-functional connect meetings. And I think it's, uh, you know, one may say, well, there's just meeting overload, but I think it's, you know, on a positive note, it, it keeps everyone aligned. It keeps everyone um, on the same page as to what needs to get done and, and gives visibility into cross-functional tax, tasks and how they're all connected. So, so part of that is just, you know, is managing through that. And then the, the third piece is, 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 is talking through projects. And you know, I think this is unique to being in a virtual environment is that sometimes you're sitting in a, you know, in a conference room or at someone's desk and you're, you know, you're ideating on something. Well, the only way to do that now is on calls, right? So, yes. so a lot of the day now is just is, is sitting and brainstorming and talking um, as if you were just sitting in a room and just brainstorming right. ideas. So 
So I, what I enjoy about my day is I, I have regular interaction with my media team, with the business stakeholders, and with peers of mine in the IT and analytics organization. And I really enjoy that because I feel like um, there, there is just a very strong team mindset. Um, and, um, and, and for me, as I mentioned earlier, is I'm still trying to understand all the players. I'm getting much more familiar with that and, and just embracing the, the, you know, the, the sheer amount of stakeholders that really play a role in bringing a lot of these projects to life. Wow. I can only imagine putting myself in your shoes. Uh, sounds a lot, very busy days. Uh, Brian, how about you? Given you cover horizontal, uh, uh, all, pretty much what I mean by horizontal is, you know, supporting every single vertical, right? Marketing, sales, product, customer, or whatnot. So what does a typical day look like for you? Do you get to geek out? <laughs> Indeed I do. Um, with multiple models in development at any time, um, our typical day often follows that of an ML model lifecycle. Um, so we spend time almost every day lining up uh, AI use cases, um, working with stakeholders, great stakeholders like Marina and her constituents in the business to figure out what is their biggest challenge at the moment and what data can we bring to bear on the problem? What algorithms are we going to match um, in order to do so? And then um, a big part of our day is data and model validation. So exploratory data analysis actually is exciting to data scientists. It, uh, yeah. it, it helps uncover relationships and the data that we may never have, we may never have thought. Um, the, uh, support tickets are more likely to take longer to close if they're open on a Monday. So just that that insight wow. is analyzing. Well, why is that? Um, is that something we could use? Is you know, could we adjust our business processes um, with that observation? Um, and, and then evaluating model output. Um, I think within almost every data scientist, there's a little bit of a gambler that says, "Hey, I want to beat the system, right? I want to use ML. I want to use stats. I may never." play the lottery, but um, I definitely want to figure out how do I use probability and stats to stack, stack the deck in the favor of our end user. So figuring out where a model may have gone wrong um, is tantalizing in order to try to improve it. Um, and we're starting to take advantage of some, some tools to help automate some of the, those aspects. And then there's model deployment, um, finding new venues for our predictions and recommendations, making sure that they're at the tips of the fingers of our end users. So when the right time comes along, they can take advantage. Hey, is this the right lead to pursue? Is this an account that's going to grow? Um, which product is the best product for them? Answering questions like that in the moment are what we're really here to do because that provides the best chance for success. Um, so are we putting predictions and recommendations in dashboards is been a, an MO for a long time, but now exploring new technologies to make sure information pops right up when your cursor wanders over a customer name or uh, the right. name of the lead is really where um, the action's at. So, and using APIs to pipe results directly into apps that end users use on a regular basis. Um, and then aside from the customer, the, um, the machine learning model lifecycle, we also spend time on strategy. Um, we need to plan and make sure that we're moving forward from a technology standpoint, a data standpoint. So we need to figure out where are we gonna invest time and resources in terms of our technology roadmap? Um, what potential stakeholders do we need to target and how do we engage them? Um, what new algorithms should we explore? 
Uh, how do we make our model results more easily understood? And what third-party data sources make our models more robust? So um, it's a never-ending change of, of how we're spending our time, but um, it's a lot of fun and uh, it certainly isn't boring. I can definitely uh, understand that. And in order to go through every single piece of, you know, uh, components that both of you mentioned, I'm pretty sure we could do, you know, an episode on each area. And in addition to that, being a leader and, you know, managing team, I can only imagine that amount of, you know, challenges they uh, both of you face, right? Uh, being, you know, small or large, keeping all those plus, you know, stakeholder relationship, you know, product building, exploratory or whatnot, what keeps you motivated to keep going, even, you know, given those, you know, hardest times? At times, I hope there, are, there aren't many. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll start, Alex. Um, from, you know, I, I, I think maybe just, um, I'll, I'll give some context maybe as to what I'm thinking about as hardest times. Um, one is coming in as a new leader, right? The organization that I took over is not a brand new organization, but it's, it's relatively new, right? Since, uh, since BJ came on board. And so, you know, what I really love about what I do, and I've been doing analytics now for almost, you know, for over 25 years is I, I, I think there's a, there's a common framework and a process that I think works really um, well across organizations. And so right now, what keeps me motivated is having a clear vision and, and having alignment of that vision, not only with my leadership team, with the company priorities, but also the, the vertical that I support, which is marketing. And to me, it's you know, having my, my, my focus on that vision and how do we build um, a scalable, uh, flexible organization to be able to deliver on, on the, the key decisions that need to get made um, across all those different priorities. You know, I, I like to build organizations from scratch and that motivates me. And so right. I, I feel like, um, you know, I, I, I see myself coming in, in some cases, keeping things moving. And in some cases, it's reinventing right. um, and, and getting the team to feel a sense of ownership as we as we kind of move our, our team and our function to a new way of thinking. Right. There's been so much in the right. in the last year about bringing a lot of new things, um, you know, a, a lot of new analytical capabilities in market. And, and in some cases we had to make trade-offs in building foundation mm -hmm. um, to be able to deliver things quickly. So one of the things that I'm excited about is, is balancing building that foundation, not from, a, from, a, from an infrastructure perspective, from a process perspective, even just people, right? And, and what they need to know to be more effective in their roles and how they can grow in their careers. So to me, just, you know, kind of re reinventing this team and, and keeping the team um, focused on those visions, those objectives is really what's exciting. And I, and I think at the end of the day, why, why many of us love analytics is right. because we love solving complex business problems. If we didn't have these business problems to solve, um, it would make our days dull, right? And so right. I, I, the more complicated the problem, I think the more interesting and, um, and, and I think that's, you know, whether it's using internal data or a combination as Brian mentioned, right. I think yep. uh, delivering a solution to be able to launch new campaigns or, or new kind of decision support capabilities is really what even, you know, even despite some of the hardships we have is that when you start to see your, your, your solutions being used is what, what really motivates you when, uh, 
when people, um, I feel as VJ says, when you become relevant and uh, people really uh, need, you know, need what you deliver on a day-to-day basis, that's what keeps me motivated. Right. I heard you uh, say process and framework a couple of times. If I may, what process and framework do you use to assess the current process and framework, if that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, methodology. I mean, to me, it's uh, kind of people, process and tools, right? So when I think about do we have the right infrastructure, right? Brian said that he came here and he felt like we had a pretty sophisticated data warehouse. I I think a lot of that starts with, um, so the framework I use is kind of people's process and tools. But I I think about that in the context of the the problem statement and the the function that I'm supporting. So in the context of marketing, right? What are all the, the key business questions that are really relevant for that organization that they need to answer and have at their fingertips to run their business? Right. Can we get at those questions easily, yeah. right? And so that's infrastructure, right? right. We easily, um, whether it's building a dashboard or building an analysis or enabling an AI model yeah. or um, enabling segmentation for target audience planning, can we do that with the data that we have? Can we do that yes. quickly, right? Can we enable it for self-service? Yes. Do I have the right people that actually have the business acumen, the acumen that really understand that problem statement and can put together a technical solution around that. So, um, so that's how I think about it is, you know, kind of people process and tools, and it's not one single formula right. that really uh, builds that process. But um, so that's, yeah, people process tools that essentially is the process and framework. Super simple. Love it. Yeah. Uh, Brian, how about your take? Well, what keeps me going even in hardest times, it's the right team. Um, The right team keeps you going no matter what. Establishing the right culture, maintaining it with new hires. um, It can be a challenge to turn down otherwise brilliant candidates that may not meet the bar that we've established of being humble but hungry. Um, I'm very fortunate that I have colleagues like Marina who don't even question jumping in to help when challenging issues arrive, arise. Um, the enterprise AI team at ServiceNow actually gets excited when we encounter tough problems. They really see that as an opportunity. Yep. And that's often when they get the most creative. They dig in their heels. They wow. collaborate. They talk to other groups. They talk to their colleagues on the research and insights team or the sales team or the marketing team. They go to research papers and find algorithms people may not have ever applied to the, the challenge at hand. Um, they find new approaches and new processes and they, they love to hear that's a good idea. Um, and if they, they don't take it and say, this is all mine, if they're collaborative and they love hearing that's a great idea, um, we've, we've built the right culture to, to overcome challenges. So facing challenges with, with the right team is, is not a hard endeavor. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm learning so much. So thank you for being candid and uh, sharing all the wisdom you, uh, both of you have. And what makes uh, being a leader at ServiceNow unique? Again, both of you come with a uh, rich background. So what's unique about ServiceNow? Good question, Alex. Um, you know, I, I think fundamentally, um, I think being a, a leader in a fast growth company is maybe um, some of the things that that maybe have, have tested me over the three months that I've been here, right, is, is right. kind of balancing the, you know, the, the growth mindset with, 
you know, there's, there's, there's just foundational things that are in some cases an opportunity for development um, in support of my vertical. And so it's balancing, um, you know, the, the need to deliver, um, to deliver decision-making tools quickly with the balance for, you know, doing it the right way, right. Going back to people right. process and tools. And I think, you know, that's been unique, I think, in a hyper growth company versus companies where maybe there's a little bit more, um, more time built into that process. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, balancing getting it done right so that it's repeatable, scalable with uh, delivering something quickly while it's still relevant to the business um, has been a challenge or maybe just an opportunity that we're, um, the team does well. And, I'm, you know, we're trying to, trying to get even better at that. Yep. I think the other thing is that, um, it's a, in, in, at least in my short time here, this is a, a pretty large organization. Um, there, there's a lot of different functions that get involved. And so um, as a leader, trying to make sure that the, the right people, you know, I, I always find that as a leader, sometimes it's, you know, when do you make that decision? When do you need to consult others? And, um, and so to me, kind of from a racy perspective is understanding how to, you know, who needs to be involved from a decision-making or an informed yeah. consult perspective, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's about getting stuff done the right way, right? And so kind of balancing all those notions of racy of who needs to be involved so that you're mm -hmm. not, you're not in, um, you know, you're not in countless meetings that sometimes just things just need to get done. And sometimes you need to make them unilaterally or in where, when do you need to have um, you know, more of a kind of a group decision? Um, and then the other piece that is, you know, I'm trying to also focus on, on building up the team and building up and, 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 and building up capabilities on the team. And yep. I, I have a bigger team here at ServiceNow than I've had in my prior role. So I'm trying to make sure that I'm, you know, motivating and cultivating the team internally. Right. And I think there's, I, I think sometimes working for a large organization such as ServiceNow Mm -hmm. um, affords the, the team the ability to solve a variety of different business problems, but also allows them to see other areas where they can evolve, right? Like, look, Alex, you know, you mentioned that we, you know, we worked together for a short yep. time, right? So the right. fact that you had an inspiration and to try something different, but this company gave you the opportunity to do that, I think is great. And yep. I think that's unique to service now. In the short time I've been here, I've seen people rotate through different roles. And I think that's also exciting as a leader to be right. able to grow people within their function, but also grow them so that they can be successful in other functions. I think one thing that comes to mind about what's unique about being a leader at ServiceNow is that even though the company has grown so dramatically and taken on so many other employees, right. um, we still have the culture that speaks to the humble and hungry. And that's, that's really important. Um, it's really important to feel the support of your colleagues and when, when you need their opinions or you need their support in a project, being able to rely upon it instead of thinking, okay, what's their reaction going to be? And instead thinking, hey, I know how we can make this even more successful. Let's go get opinions. Let's solicit their ideas. Um, let's get their support. And that will make each project even better. What's also you great about ServiceNow is support from, from senior management. Um, they really foster an environment of, hey, you have the opportunity, you can run your group, but here's what you should be thinking about. How are you going to scale? Um, how are you going to do even more? How are you going uh, to incorporate a data about uh, our changing products into future models? 
Um, what tools are you going to need in three years or in five years? Um, so instead of uh, them just saying, okay, we need 10 more models this year, they're <laughs> saying we need 10 models. And <laughs> we'd also like for you to figure out how to do it even more effectively. Um, right. how, do you, how do you take some of the burden, the day-to-day -day burden off of your team members using yep. technology in order to make it um, uh, more, more, both more palatable and more effective. Um, and along the way, we've done so using our own product uh, as well. So that's really exciting when we can incorporate the tools that we offer to customers in new ways to service machine learning. That, that really is exciting. Right. Workflow revolution starts right here at home. <laughs> uh, Marina, to your earlier point around motivating the team and steering decisions towards the right direction, can you share any specific things that you do or habits that you have developed that enables you and your team to be the best version of themselves? I think it's important as a leader to not lose your authentic style um, and sense of self. Um, yeah. And like for me personally, I'm, I'm very direct. Um, I like to be very transparent. And, you know, I mentioned that, you know, in, in many cases, I'm trying to reinvent the team and, and bring the team to a new level of analytical sophistication. And so how do I do that? I feel like, you know, in some cases I share my thoughts and my, and my thinking with the team as to why I make decisions or right. why I've set the roadmap a certain way. And I want them to have a role in that. So, right. you know, um, so many times when I facilitate team meetings or even some of the scrum calls that I participate, if I share a point of feedback or if I share something on the roadmap, I try to provide that context as to, you know, what I'm thinking in the short term and, and how it connects to what the business needs are. And in some cases, I've made maybe some changes that, you know, are different from the way it was before. And I want them to understand that I'm not changing it just for the sake of changing it. But there's a very deliberate business reason and, and or a personal reason just based on my own experience. So I, I tend to find that, you know, we're all here to, to work for a company that's doing well, right? That yep. we all, um, you know, we all embrace the culture, but we want the company to be successful. And so I, I want the team to understand and, and feel a role in one, hearing my thoughts, but also feel like they have a voice in that process as well. So th those are some things that I, I just, I, when I build high performing teams, I feel like, you know, obviously as a leader coming in, we set that tone, right? We set the vision, but I want, I want the team to embrace it. Cause I, I really feel that the way that we accomplish this, it, accomplish the vision is together as a team. Yeah. And so it isn't just the way that I've written it on paper, right. And, and then everyone right. follows it but I want the team to embrace it and provide feedback. And so what I've shared with the team, just even in my short time here is, yeah. these are what I, these are the areas that I feel are important. We're going to make some changes here or there, but we, we, I reserve the right to kind of pause and reflect and say, if it's not working, we'll course correct and we'll be agile and we'll change things. Right. But, yeah. um, but we're going to work together to do that. So to me, it's, it's being authentic to me. I'm, I'm the same way at home yeah. as I am at work. And yeah. it was actually, that was something that was shared in the Diane Furstenberg um, um, kind of interview that we had for International Women's Day is kind of being that authentic self um, and, but applying that style within how you manage your team so that they feel like they can be themselves, yes. right? Not everybody has to be like, if you're more quiet, there's not, there's not, it's not a penalty, right? If yeah. you're quiet, you can still be very um, a critical thinker, a good problem solver, but um, embracing everyone's unique style. So that at the end of the day, 
we're all working to accomplish what we need to as a team to get the our best work done. Right. Thank you, Marina. That definitely speaks in to what Brian mentioned as well, that, you know, uh, servant leadership style, right? Not only just, you know, write, write it on paper and go follow, but rather bring the team into that process. So, Brian, how, how about you? What are well, there, there are two things that I uh, really strive to, to make sure that I accomplish as a leader and that um, hopefully I do it uh, visibly. The first is constantly learning about our products. Our products are the reason we're all here. They're the reason our, our customers make the purchase. They're the reasons we have sales, marketing, professional services, customer success. Um, they are constantly evolving and expanding. So it can be a challenge um, to maintain an awareness of the features, the product groups, how they're sold, how customers use them. Um, but it's, it's really important and we can't lose sight of that. The other thing that I strive to do on a regular basis is think like an end user. And in this case, while I do try to think like an end user of our products, right. I'm trying here, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about an end user of our projects, our AI ML um, results and predictions that we're producing. Right. Um, they are the mechanism for our results making the company a success. So if, we're, if they're not part of our equation, we're gonna be very frustrated with the, yeah. our results. <laughs> Um, they're very important for ML adoption. Um, they help define the enhancements that they need in order to be even more of a success. And we love adding those to our roadmap because if you roll out a, a, a ML product or project and there are no requests for enhancements, uh, it's, it's very unlikely you got it perfect the first time around. And that may mean people are, don't understand it. They don't right. trust it. Um, they're not using it. Um, the bonus of doing this, thinking like an end user, reaching out to them, maintaining a relationship is you get to see the positive impact of using ML in their career. And what comes to mind is a great uh, example of an early adopter and a heavy user of ML results um, among someone in the, the marketing team that got a promotion. And can we say it was distinctly related to their heavy use of ML? Mm, not yet, but yep. they're certainly, it certainly did put them in a good position. They were more successful in accomplishing right. their career goals and meeting the KPIs of their role. Um, so it was very gratifying to see them get a promotion. And what was even more gratifying is they sent us an email saying, hey, look what happened. Um, so that, that helps um, that provides some extra supporting evidence that they might attribute the role of AI and ML in, in their success. Wow. Uh, I'll definitely apply both from everything you guys both mentioned to be more intentional and uh, habit forming you know, going forward. And uh, as more of a last food for thought for the audience, especially for those who are thinking of about in transitioning into the analytic space or relatively earlier in their career and are exploring the analytic space as a whole, what would you advise them to uh, develop, you know, skill sets in order to be successful in a future analytics role? Well, you know, it's, it's one of those questions, are, are you born analytical or can you become analytical? Um, right. You know, I, I tend to think, I, I, I tend to think you can probably, well, I tend to lean toward, you're probably born analytical, 
but I think you can evolve your skills. I don't know if Brian agrees with me. We'll have to hear what he, but um, I, I, I tend to find even when I interview, right? Like um, I, I ask the question, you know, tell me about how you, um, how you use analytical kind of methods or problem solving in your day-to-day life. Because I think just people that are true analytical minds, right? They, they, they use some of the same techniques at home, whether they're right. problem solving with their family or they're making big, you know, big decisions for their household right. or even simple decisions, right? Just, but, but yeah. the way that their mind processes and kind of thinks through the problem statement and maybe over-evaluates all the different options. I think if you're a true analytical professional, there's not this separation of work and, and home in the, ten, in, in the sense of how you, how you problem solve. And so I look for this natural curiosity and, and, um, and this hungriness for problem solving, right? And, right? and in some cases, it's also working more, more, more around our industry is how well you work in a non-structured environment. Because I can tell you um, in the last two jobs I've had, I've been very transparent in the interview process and say, you know, if you're the kind of person that likes to work in a very structured environment, you come in, you know exactly what you're going to do for the day and you're given right. instructions and everything you need to do is written down for you, you're not going to succeed, right. right, in this company. And so I think that, you know, that natural curiosity, that kind of that analytical problem solving that kind of permeates just the way they think overall, but also being able to, with maybe an early in career with the help of their manager, is right. being able to structure structure in some cases, very open-ended problem statements into meaningful pieces so that they can solve it bit by bit. I think many times new analysts, they're faced with this big problem. They're overwhelmed. They don't even know where to start. And I think, you know, many techniques where you're, whether you're Six Sigma certified or just general problem solving is identifying what that, what those key questions are. I always even have taught my, like, um, even like when I've managed programmers or I've done programming in the past, I used to program in SAS many, many years ago um, as a statistical analysis language. And I would always have developers that just show me code. Like the first time when I give them a problem and say, but they immediately show me code. And I said, let's put the code aside. Let's write out the business yeah. questions, right? And yeah. let's put them in English, right? How yeah. you're going to solve this problem in English and right. then apply the analytical methodology or the coding, et cetera. And so I also feel like an analytical person needs to take maybe a complex problem, break it into its piece parts, be able to explain it in, in English, right, in, in basic language, and then they can go off and do the more complicated technical solutioning. Um, and, and that's what I look for. I, I think certainly those are skills. And so when I, when I raised at the beginning of this, like, are you born an analyst or can you become an analyst? I think right. some of these things are inherent, but some of these things are very trainable, right? With the proper manager and just experience. Right. But I think fundamentally, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you one last story. I, I am two jobs ago, I had a person in sales who wanted to move into analytics. And you think, gosh, can a salesperson, like somebody who has right. a very different role, right? Very different, right. very relationship focused, kind of, yep. you know, um, good at, you know, selling the solution, right? Could they go into a very different, to me, a very different mindset? Right. Well, where there's commonalities, they need to understand that end user problem and be able to formulate it into a set of questions that are important and meaningful, right? As Brian said earlier, understanding yeah. the mind of the end user. Right. And so anyways, I, I just, I, I think that those are important things to think about. And as you assess as what are things you really enjoy uh, doing, 
mm-hmm. right? And uh, I think there's there there are these very specific traits, um, you know, for analysts. And I think you know many times some of the analysts that work for me spend a lot of their own personal time just doing self enrichment, right? Um, you know, self study. And I always just find that really remarkable that people invest their own personal time outside of work to really to develop. Uh, to develop their expertise. And I, I think that's, I, I tend to find that more inherent to analytically minded people. Well, now I'm curious what happened to that salesperson. He ended up working for me. He ended up working for me for a short time. Wow. Um, but I will tell you that what he yeah. missed, and he ended up going back into sales, not because he worked for me, but, right. but because, um, you know, I think that, you know, th- there is a difference in when you're, when you're talking to customers, maybe the end customer in some cases versus internal customers, mm-hmm. there's a self of, um, kind of, there's, there's a self of recognition, right. Or, or just a right. fulfillment that he had. And I think he missed that customer facing relationship, but I he was, a, he was a good analyst. Right. So right. I, that, that kind of supports what I said is that, yeah. um, you know, whether you're talking to the end customer or your internal customers, it's the similar type of kind of mindset. You really have to understand you're not just doing analysis for a case study for school. You're doing it for right. an actual product being used. Correct. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that, Marina. Uh, Brian, what's your take? So, Alex, you mentioned uh, two scenarios. One is transitioning right. to analytics and the other was moving into anal- analytics early in your career. Right. Um, when I think about transitioning, um, what I think of is very similar to what Marina brought up. Use your knowledge of business processes uh, and then use that knowledge to provide even more valuable analytics and insights. So if you have a background in sales or a background in marketing or a background in customer service, you know the stages that deals go through and, and the, the challenges that provides. You know how um, problems escalate in customer service. So you have a competitive advantage and you have insights in a way that other analytics uh, people and data scientists may not. So you use, I would suggest you leverage that. Take advantage uh, of that. In terms of you know, other, other scenarios earlier in your career or if you're transitioning, I think um, tapping your creativity and innovation really will go a long way. I keep a, a keen eye out for people that are innovative. Um, so hackathons, brainstorming sessions, um, applying algorithms in creative manners, um, what comes to mind are people that are successful at saying, okay, I know A, and I know the challenge is B, what can I take from A and apply it in a way that maybe nobody's thought of? Um, an example is using survival analysis in, to help model customer churn. Or uh, uh, on our team, um, I was lamenting the fact that stakeholders often complain, hey, my favorite, mo- my favorite metric is not in your model. I'm convinced <laughs> it's important and your model doesn't make sense because my favorite metric isn't in it. So I went back to the data science team and one member in particular who's very innovative said, ah, I've got an idea. So he went and performed a cluster a cluster hierarchy analysis on the input variables. Okay. So he could model sets of variables together and using that approach, he could determine the impact of related variables to other variables and that way, we were able to say to stakeholders, oh, your favorite variable is present <laughs> in the model. It's in this bucket with 10 or 100 other metrics just like it, but here's the relationship it provides to the outcome. So anybody that's successful at being able to use tools and creative manners uh, is, I think is going to be a success in analytics. The other thing I'd really like to point out is that 
slide making and storytelling skills are extremely important in analytics. You can be a fabulous modeler. You can be a tremendous engineer that can pull data together from hundreds of different sources. You can be a phenomenal analyst that derives keen insights. But if you can't make it into slides and tell a story that engages your audience, it's not, it's, it's, odds are it's not going to go very far. So that is one critical skill I would suggest anybody in analytics learns is how to make slides that are visually appealing. They tell a story from beginning to end and your audience can follow it. Right. Wow. I've learned so much and I enjoyed this episode more. Thank you very much, Marina and Brian. I look forward to having you both in future episodes and thank you very much for being here today. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, Alex. This was an episode two of Analytics at ServiceNow, produced by one and only Matt Ackerman. In the next episode, we will cover a day in a life of Analytics Product Manager, a growing new field where I will switch seats to be a guest speaker with my good friend and ServiceNow's MDM leader, Vipul Agochia, who will be hosting the episode. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with others. And remember, sharing is caring. Until next time.